Hello and welcome to the Still Parents podcast, the first ever episode. I'm Dan, I'm joined with Ryan and with Matt. Hello, chaps. Hello. Hello. Now, we've actually added on this little bit that you're hearing right now, over two years after we did the first ever episode, just to say thank you very much for all of your support. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you are listening for the first time, the sound quality you're about to hear is... Shocking. Pretty dreadful. (laughs) (laughs) Because we started on Zoom during lockdown, so the first few episodes are like that. We hope you get something from it. Ryan and Matt are here for any questions that you'd like answering you can get in touch through our social media still parents podcast on instagram and our website which is stillparentspodcast.co.uk neither of which you will hear any mentions of in our first six or seven episodes because we didn't chuff and have them (laughs) (laughs) so ladies and gentlemen this is the still parents podcast well evening everyone welcome along on facebook live to our first live streaming event we're going to have a podcast of this as well so if you are listening to this after the event you can still leave a comment leave a message and we'll be able to get back to you in our in our next one that we'll be doing at a future date this is all with the lily may foundation i'm your host my name's dan uh, we are here with ryan uh, you're right ryan ryan jackson from lily may foundation all right dan how you doing not too bad. Ryan looks a little bit stressed because, uh, as he, he's already told us a lot in this Zoom meeting in the 20 minutes we've been here, I've got 12 screens in front of me. It's because I'm blinded by your bald spot, that's why. I know. Uh, I, know. Uh, <laughs> I, had to t- I had to turn off the main lights. There's a light right above my head. And it was just, yeah. uh, so we have Ryan, we have Simon. How are you, Simon? Are you okay? All right, yeah, okay, thanks. We've got Matt. How are you doing, Matt? You okay? Hi, guys, you okay? We have Sam. How are you, Sam? You okay, buddy? Evening, Dan. You okay? And finally... We have Andy. How are you, Andy? You right, buddy? Evening, Dan. Yeah, right, mate. Yeah, good, thanks. Now, Ryan's keeping an eye on the Facebook feed, so I believe we are live, and you can comment, and you can leave a message. You can let us know that you're, you're, you're listening to this or watching it as well. And here we are, just going to be talking for around about an hour or so, and just talking about a few things which are close to our heart, and also addressing the, the elephant in the room. But before we do that, Ryan, if you want to give everyone a bit of a background for anyone who's not come across the Lily May Foundation before, who you are, what you do... Will do. So, um, yeah, good evening, everyone. It's great to have you watching us live for our first podcast. So it's um, it's exciting. It's something which we've wanted to do for a while. One thing that we did, uh, sorry, that we wanted to do in 2020 until that little virus called COVID came around was to try and do lots of uh, support for men, highlighting that men suffer baby loss too and can quite often get forgotten in the grand scheme of things. So, one of the things we wanted to do this year was to really support men. So we thought about doing this podcast. Dan agreed to jump on board, which is brilliant. And we've got, like we say this evening, we've got some guests, got Simon, Matt, Sam and Andy, who are going to hopefully enjoy themselves to some extent throughout the next hour or so. It's a, an active podcast as well. So if you guys that are watching want to ask any questions or um, if you've got any burning things that you want to say, then please do put the comments out. I'll be monitoring the comments throughout, so hopefully it'll all work fine. But then what we'll also do following this is it'll all be edited so they'll be able to download it moving forwards. And it's this is going to be the first of probably a, a series of six. So, yeah, back over to you, Dan. One of the angles that we're doing, obviously, is men talk because there is this big stigma that we don't talk enough or we do talk, but we're not talking on a deeper level on a deeper emotional level, especially with people that we don't know very well. And it's easy these days, particularly online in the world that we live in, to maybe hide some of our emotions because it can be quite a brutal place. 
So we want to encourage people to watch this, encourage people that maybe are uh, going through similar things. They can just watch this or they can get involved. They can ask questions and just encourage people to talk to each other. I mean, we, to sum it up, uh, we've, we're all in a WhatsApp group as we're getting ready to start this, this podcast. And Ryan left a lovely, I think it was on Thursday, a lovely two-minute voice note. You know that person in your WhatsApp group always leaves really, really long voice notes. <laughs> and it was full of detail, lots of information in there. And just to prove the point, men don't talk. I think it was Matt who just replied with a thumbs up emoji. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what we want to talk about really, and we had a chat with Ryan, and it's addressing the, the elephant in the room. Oh. Now, obviously, you guys have all been in the situation where you've, you've lost a baby. And initially, the elephant in the room for me is I haven't. So for people watching that, such as myself, I hopefully I can represent the people who um, have been fortunate enough not to go through that situation. We can all learn a thing or two as well about what to say to people, things that are okay to, to address, maybe areas that you shouldn't tread. And if we can, although it's a very serious situation, you know, try and have a, a, a bit of lightheartedness as you move on with your life. So simply straight away from just from the off, I just want to ask what's, what is the most ridiculous thing somebody has said to you that immediately made you confused, angry, surprised, upset, annoyed? Someone said to me, uh, oh, it's okay, you've still got the other one. Yeah. How, how do you react to something like that? What's your initial... I'm just I mean, speechless. I was like, wow. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> no, not yet. I was like, didn't really know what to say, to be fair. I just walked off and bit my tongue. What do you wish you could have said in that situation if you were to go through it again and you could advise that person? Hang on a second. Because obviously in the moment, we've all been in a situation where we walk away afterwards and you go, ah, wish I'd have done this or said that. Some people though, Dan, just don't, they don't, um, they don't think before they engage. I don't think they did it for like, to be nasty or anything. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the worst things someone could say. Andy, could you give us a bit of background about yourself and your situation? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, yeah, we had a little son, uh, it was 2016, uh, he was stillborn at uh, 41 weeks. Um, so yeah, been through it, yeah, got to know the Lily May Foundation after that. Um, so yeah, knowing Ryan, met all the guys, I haven't met Sam actually in person, but yeah, met all the other guys. So uh, yeah, kind of been supporting the charity, involved in various things for, yeah, since then really. Okay, thank you very much, Andy. Matt, how about yourself? Yeah, so um, me and, and my wife, Crystal lost um, our daughter Callie at 38 weeks, um, five days. Um, but she was neonatal deaf, so she um, she lived for 27 minutes. Um, uh, yeah, and um, yeah, just just unfortunately couldn't get her get her heart back, um, which uh, kind of just went through the floor uh, at the last minute, pretty much. So um, yeah, it was uh, it was a real real tough 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 one to take. Um, going on to things that people said um this is probably i suppose three days after we'd lost Callie. i had someone well i had a couple of i had someone say to me a couple of things firstly that i should stop breaking down in tears in front of crystal also that uh, it, it's time to get the fun happy matt back from before because i in, in general i'm pretty sort of laid back sort of you know yeah. try and be as positive as i possibly can but funnily enough, after losing your daughter three days, you're not you're not in the mood to be kind of happy and <laughs> bubbly at that point. Sometimes I probably should speak my mind a little bit more than I do. Um, you know, um, I, I think I've learned to do that a little bit more um, okay. since I lost uh, since I lost Callie. But you know, 
I was about to say how for people who've been in a similar situation, you're saying you've you've learned how to do that more. Is there any particular way or something which helps you to to do that that you can share with people? Probably watching my wife, Crystal. Right. <laughs> she's she's uh, she out the two of us. She's very much the the direct one, um, but but also I think I don't know about the rest of the guys, but I think it's not that you lose it's not that you lose your character or. or you know, but the perspective of losing, I think actually you kind of think, you know what, actually, I am actually bothered about what people, some people yeah, think of what I'm going to say now. So I just, yeah, if I need to say something, I, I, I try and say it if I can. So yeah. I think it's a, like a loss of control yeah. or anything actually is that like, because you um, are in a situation that you have absolutely no control over, Yeah, you have no ability to stop what is going on. Because let, let's be honest, nine times out of 10, most people look at the bloke in the family, they're the, the bloke that goes out to work, brings the money home, you know, blah, 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 blah. The, the old man goes out to hunt, brings food back and what have you. And I think that the you can't change anything that is being put or that is happening in front of you. Oh. And then because men, I think in general, I reckon if you if we did a poll on how many men are um are quite like to be in control. I reckon you'd find nine out of ten men like to be in control. So as soon as that is then ripped out your <clears throat> ripped out your hands, you become in my world, I became pretty worthless because it was very much a um I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do because I'm I'm I've been taken out of my comfort zone. And I think a lot of the the sort of feelings that I felt were very much that is that I couldn't stop this happening. So I couldn't protect my wife. I couldn't protect my my son, my other son, um, who, who was with us when we lost Lily. And that's where my biggest problems came in, was where I, I just had no control over anything that was going on, which then puts me into a complete a spiral of, you know, depression, anxiety, all that sort of stuff, where then you do have no other choice but to actually speak up and say that you need the help. It's also the whole thing of sort of you like you don't necessarily have answers to loads of questions in both your and your wife's head. You know, you always think, well, why why has this happened? Why us? What have we done wrong? Yeah, there's normally there's no there's normally like a, a in general. I think you're right there. So I think in general, there's normally a logical answer to things. Yeah, but 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 this there is isn't one. Isn't there it? is no logical <laughs> answer to it. So you know, it's like yeah. Yeah, I think you have to like accept that there are unknowns, don't you? Like, especially with us, because we had like, you know, there were some issues hostel, and there, there were some things that we did the reports and everything. But you ultimately have to just accept that you sometimes you're not going to be able to get the answers, and that's really hard just to say mm. that's as far as we can take it. And you just have to then go, you know, and move on the best way you can, and just yeah, accept that you can't get any more info, and just yeah, try and uh, sort of yeah, move on with it. We're the same. We sort of we had no no reason behind why we lost our daughter and it's just yeah you just have to kind of accept it and move on as much as you yes. can Simon I think yeah what's your what was your situation I think we've heard from everyone uh, about what happened. Uh, well my wife and I lost our daughter Millie at 26 weeks uh, she was still born and it was just a case of her you know, my wife noticed sort of reduced movements went into the hospital and there was no heartbeat and that was basically it. There's nothing we could do. And as Ryan and Matt were saying, sort of like you just felt completely useless because you kind of, 
I think initially it was disbelief, spent sort of a period of time almost feeling like you weren't living your own life, you were living someone else's life. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of start reflecting, going, oh, could we have done something differently? Is there something we did that, you know, could we have read something differently or you know, read the situation differently? But reality is there wasn't really anything that we could have done differently. Going back to the whole discussion point where, you know, we're, we're men and it's men talks, we want to communicate more with each other. How was, obviously, your, think of your, your closest male friends, how were they with the situation when they first found out to offer support? Is there any way, any advice you could offer on the, the way that your, your friends approached you or didn't say certain things or things you hoped they could have done? So I think most of my friends, they didn't know what to say. Like, they didn't know what to do, what to say, in case you said the wrong thing. I think the best, just to check up on you, make sure you're okay, if you need anything. That's, that would be my advice from the other side. But my close friends, I think they were just scared. They didn't know what to say because it all happened so quick. I think I, I, I had two big examples from from my time. Was My, my best mate, Rob, was up the hospital within half an hour. Um, I was losing Callie and with his wife and um, has never really left my side since. I mean, he's been there anyway since I was like six but um, he's he's been sort of there right from the start all all, all the way through. Um, and then I had another mate of mine who um, played football with, and um, we spoke a little bit after we lost Cali. But then it took him probably um, a, a little while to kind of get his head around the situation. But then he phoned me and said, "Look, I want to meet you." And um, and then we went and just had a beer and just sat and had a chat. And he just said, "Look, I didn't I didn't really get it." to start with but I, I get it now you know I understand now and then I don't think there's in my opinion I don't think I think what Sam said is right I don't think there's any right or wrong way I think it's just down to that individual person who, who yeah, a lot of my friends have said the same like it's been just over a year now and I've said look I didn't know what to say to you so, yeah yeah. Mm. yeah did you have the feelings of guilt if you do something which seemed recreational or fun or something which all of a sudden made you possibly feel bad because, oh, why can I, I can't, I'm not allowed to enjoy myself here. I can't enjoy my life. How do you get around that? And where can your friends or family, and again, not just men, just, you know, girls to help understand and, and, and females to understand what, how to look at it from the, the male perspective, which is, which is often questioned anyway, isn't it? When, when we lost Lily, I was... Um, I think I was six or seven months, well, six months into my newly qualified teacher year. Um, and it was, I'd obviously gone through university, through teacher training, all this, spent a, a small fortune getting to it. And then six months into the job that you wanted to do, working with kids in a difficult school, in a difficult area, I immediately hated my job and actually oh, right. disliked kids to an extent because. I used to get really angry with some of the kids that I was teaching because I would always think you've got an opportunity in life. Mm. Whereas, you know, my daughter hasn't, or, you know, other people that we've met, their kids haven't that, you know, they haven't got this opportunity that you have got. Um, and I think that it, it doesn't just change you um, individually as a person and mentally about how you think and how you feel. <laughs> always remember the head teacher at the time and, 
I, I, I had a decent relationship with her. I mean, I never had a good relationship with the head teachers when I was at secondary school, but, you know, I always had a good relationship when I was teaching in the respect that she always said to me, I want the old, smiley, fun Ryan back. And she was never going to get that. She was never, ever going to get it because literally in that moment, when you're told that your child has died, you it's like turning on a light or turning off a light. You you completely and utterly become a completely different person, a completely different person. You move in different circles. You meet people who have experienced what you've experienced. And still to this day, I will still maintain even grandparents obviously have their, you know, feelings and stuff like that about losing a grandchild. But actually there is no, nobody will ever, ever understand what you what you are feeling unless they have experienced this themselves. I, I don't know what the other lads would say about that, but for me, I, in my opinion, no one would ever, ever understand what you are going through. I mean, I've got a friend that, an old school friend, they went through it a few years before we lost Millie and um, I didn't understand. You know, I put my hands up until we'd been through it. I didn't understand what they'd been through. But they were some of the first people to be there for us, obviously, because they could relate straight away and knew the best things to do and say and advice uh, sort of to help us in the early days. So, so, you, so you've been on both sides of, of that coin, um, yeah, in a way. So if you were to give yourself any advice, if you could have a, a man-to-man talk with yourself, what would you say? Let yourself grieve, I think. You know, because I, I went through the first couple of years afterwards, I think I sort of tried to spend too much time holding myself together from right. my wife. Okay. okay. And it wasn't until we were fortunate enough to have a, a living daughter three years later that it almost felt like, felt like um, a weight was off my shoulders. But then I went on my own decline, which I've only recently sort of realised and sort of started digging myself out of. Well, that's good to hear. Um, Matt, Matt, Andy, uh, Sam, anything to add to that? Uh, Yeah, I was going to say the same, actually, that we, yeah, it was kind of almost like a friend of a friend, went through, yeah, stillbirth, you know, probably a couple of years or so, and we were the same, just didn't really know what to say, and I think it's like Ryan said, until you've been through it, you really don't, it's really hard to understand. I think that's the thing that's difficult for people. Um, But I think for me, it's just kind of, I think the worst thing is when people almost don't acknowledge your loss and, and you know they've got the best intentions but yeah they sort of don't want to upset you but that's kind of then it becomes you know people walking on eggshells and you know I think one of the yeah. best things for me I just bumped into someone I used to work with you know kind of a few months afterwards and he just you know I didn't even know him particularly well but he just sort of said oh you know uh, heard from sort of someone else and he just thought you know I was really sorry to hear your news kind of thing and at least he kind of raised it straight away and it's just a nice little yeah. thing you know then it, it opens up so if you you know if you want to talk about it then it, it kind of opens the door and I think it's just small little gestures like that make a big difference for someone who wants to talk to you about the situation but they don't feel like they can say anything for example when I first met Ryan despite the fact that we were working together for this reason I was okay I'm just I'm just the voice on a stick for this thing here. I felt a little bit awkward about going up to Ryan and saying, hey, thanks for the work. Sorry about your loss, because it felt a bit, you know, disingenuous or just a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm there and I'm, I'm working for the night. And at the same time, my head's saying to me, well, I can't be as cold as that. I've got to say something, but I don't want to say the, the wrong thing. And I think that was the, the case for our first few 
meetings, Ryan, the first time we ever we ever spoke. I don't think it was actually until the fun run when we finally actually had a little conversation about the situation and what had happened. Obviously, I'd learned about it via the charity and what's going on and, and meeting people such as yourselves at, at these events. I think one thing for, certainly for myself, not been in this situation, it's, it's okay to, again, I'll say that phrase, address the elephant in the room. Yeah, I think just asking how you are, that doesn't necessarily have to be like, I mean, quite a few times people, again, I think it comes back to the kind of male, you know, father thing. Quite often people go, oh, how's your wife doing? Things like that. And, yeah. you know, you kind of think, right. no, no one goes, <laughs> you know, how are you? But like one guy did, you see, again, a guy I worked with at the time, I think he lost his daughter to leukemia a few years <laughs> earlier. So again, he, he kind of, different but you know similar sort of grief and everything so he was again somebody who kind of looked out for me a bit a little bit more and he'd say you know how are you and it's just kind of asking quite a direct question in a nice way rather than a oh is your wife okay you know kind of making small talk and it's just that yeah how are you is you know one of the simplest things one of the things personally that we couldn't we really couldn't stand and is 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 people saying oh well you can always have another one mm. because i listen whether whether we can go and have another one or not, I don't want another one. I want I want the one that we've lost. You know what I mean? So I want the one we've lost. But also, also, who knows whether we can go and have another one? You know, no one knows that. You know, if 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 you want to say that to me, then give me the lottery numbers. You know what I mean? Mm. Because like you can you can see the future, and and that's the point. It it's I, sometimes I'd rather people just not say anything, mm. like you know, just don't. Don't, don't the say other one is where they say, "Oh, yeah, but you're still young." <laughs> I didn't feel I didn't feel young at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think jumping on what to Matt, well, uh, sorry, on what Matt said there as well about when people say, "Oh, you know, you you can have another one," or you know, you like what Sam said, "Oh, well, at least at least you've got the you know the other twin and what have you." Sometimes I'd quite like to turn around to them and if and say, "Well, okay, you've got children. Which, which one?" Which one would you give up? Which one would you choose not to have? Because it's almost it's, it's almost throwing that question back at them, but in a completely different way. Because because by saying, "Oh, you can go on and have another one," well, no, they don't know what's going to happen in the future. Or you know, when people say, "Oh, everything happens for a reason," really does does it all happen for a reason? Because you know, bad things happen to really good people. Um, and bad things happen to really bad people. So does everything really happen for a reason? Because I don't think it does. And, you know, I've had the ones, you know, time's a great healer. It, these are all, you know... They're cliches, all, aren't they? They're all cliches that are used to try and make f- people feel better. Nine times out of ten, they're saying them because they've got nothing... Because they don't know what to say. So they try and say something thinking that it's... They're saying the right thing, but actually they're not saying the right thing. And I think like what Matt said there, I would much rather somebody turn around to me and say, I'm really sorry, I don't know what to say. Mm. Come out with some baloney where they think that they're, you know, helping you in a situation where where actually they're making it 10 times worse. Have you actually ever said that in response to anyone about the, uh, have you been, how close have you been to actually saying it? I've, I've been close. I have been close, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie because I think that the, the thing about this is, we're, you know, the thing about this podcast actually as a whole, and is I don't think we should hold back in what we say because I think it's it, we need to be very honest in our thoughts and 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 what we think and you know what we say and what we do. Um, 
you know, I, I have been in situations where I've had to bite my tongue and walk away because if I hadn't, then I could have quite easily hurt somebody. Um, especially when you're in the, you know, certainly right at the beginning when you're in an anger, mm. anger state of grief where, you know, you just want, you almost want to inflict hurt and pain on somebody else. So they mm. know exactly, or so you can get them to come as close to the hurt and pain that you're feeling. I've never said that to anybody, obviously, but I've come very, very close to it because sometimes, I mean, being a teacher or an ex-teacher, kids say things to you. Now, I'm not saying any of the kids that I taught said some horrible things to me, but kids are clever. Kids pick up on things. And I know that I've been in lessons and children have been talking and they've been going on about my situation, certainly when I go back to work. And I could have quite easily walked out of the room. But actually, at the same time, I used that to try and uh, build a bit of strength in me. So I thought to myself, well, if I can, well, not accept, but if I can deal with what that person or these people are saying to me, then that's just another step that I'm climbing on this road of grief, which is hopefully going to be stronger moving forwards. Yeah, Ryan used to be a teacher. And one of the most interesting parts of the podcast so far was Ryan at the start. He went, oh, yeah, I was a teacher, but I, did, I didn't like the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan reminds me a bit of the, do you know the teacher in the Inbetweeners? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that'd be you. Yeah, that was me. That was me. And there was a few wills in my classes as well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a nickname as a teacher? You always find out. I think it started with W and ended in R. So if you can work that one out, then uh, <laughs> there, yeah. But it's, 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 in, it's interesting because um, we were just talking about first name briefcase. We were talking about what people um, said to you and stuff, and obviously how adults say stuff and and, and, the, and the things yeah. they say. And when I I went, I was working in a school at, at the time when we lost Callie and. and um, I went back uh, in the summer just before um, we lost. We lost in the June, and I went back uh, for a few days before the end of the summer term just to get ready oh, for wow. September. Basically, um, so I was still very, very raw then. That's that's really soon. Yeah, I had about six weeks off. My my head teacher was really good with me at the time. She's like, "Look, mm. take your time," and she gave me six weeks to sort of get my head around it. And then she said, "Look, it'd probably be best if you come back just for a couple of days before the start in September because get used to school and so." so and there's one particular lad who I who I did a lot of one-to-one mentoring with. And uh um he he said that he he said that comment what I said a few minutes back that I didn't, you know, really bug me was he said, It's ever so sad what happened to your baby, but you can always have another one. And then he said, Would you like a cake? And I was like, That's brilliant. But the fact is that I, I let that look, I know he's a he's a child, like, but I let that slide. Mm. Whereas my point is if an adult says it to you. It's that whole, well, you shouldn't be saying that because you should be more, you should be more um, thoughtful. But I think we've just yeah. touched upon it. Sometimes I think it's just the fact that, you know, this this whole subject and, and the fact that the Lily May Foundation is is um, growing all the time is so important. Is that um, it is still taboo, but it's not as it's not it's not as taboo as when I lost when we lost Callie which is only four years ago, which is really good. And it, mean, it means that it's, it's stepping in the right direction because, you know, I, I liken it to, 
to, to cancer a little bit. Like what was, I lost my granddad to cancer in 2005 and didn't really know a lot about it in the mainstream. Now we have a program every year where celebrities, um, it's the whole, you know, cancer and, and the, 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 uh, the, the, the program they have on the TV with the celebrities coming out and they raise money for, for, for cancer research. So I hope that in the future, this will go the same way and this subject will be talked about more, more and more because it does need to be talked about because the stats are there that too many people lose. Something actually Andy said not so long ago prompted a question. Why, why do you think it is that dads seem to be not forgotten about, but maybe not get the, the attention or the, the emotional support that maybe we need? I think it's still the perception it's like the mum's lost more, isn't it? I think more than anything. I think people still think, oh, it's the mother's, you know, the dad, because the baby, you know, never lived or lived, you know, for not very long. It's like, oh, you couldn't have built much of a bond, you know, which is, you know, completely wrong, really, when you think, you know, all the time leading up to it, you are still bonding and, you know, it's all the, the plans for the future as much as anything and that's everything that disappears. But, yeah, I think people still think that maternal instinct. So I think it's probably just, yeah, almost that, that people just think, oh, the men don't, you know, need as much support. I think Andy's hit the nail on the head, really, is that when you look at it and the, you know, the mum carries the baby for, you know, however long, uh, you know, they've carried it for prior to the loss, whether it's a, you know, an early loss, miscarriage, whatever that may be, is that <clears throat> they look at it as that it is the mother's loss because it's her body, you know, and, and, and what have you. And I think people forget... I, I, I think people just, I don't think they do it on purpose, actually. No, no. I don't think they do it on purpose. I think it's just the way that we are wired, I suppose, as um, as, as human beings is that, like, I, you know, I could go all the way back to the beginning. The, the dads are the protectors, the ones that go out, they get the food. The mums yeah. are the ones that build the home, you know, build the nest, whatever that may be. And I think that's why, you know, we have a perception like that and, um, it's just about breaking down those taboos and, and and making sure that men are heard because, you know, certainly this year, I mean, this, this year has been a really, really big year. I, I mean, we know it's been a big year for, you know, the, the, the reasons that, that we all know about. But I think this year in particular, so, and <clears throat> even last year, people like Prince William, um, Prince Harry, who have <clears throat> really shone a light on mental health and, and certainly with men's mental health and how they were so open with how they felt, you know, when they when Diana was, was um, when Diana died, that they've really shone a light on it. And I think for us as a charity, it certainly helped us move forward a little bit actually with the support for men, because it's almost like you were waiting for the, um, for the go ahead to be able to do it if that makes sense, because you yeah. know, rightly women are, you know, they, they do get a lot of support and, and rightly so. Yeah. We have got a message, a question from someone who doesn't want to be named. Um, to anyone who'd like to answer this, how do you tackle the situations of feeling angry? Now oh, I, for I, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you say run, did you say run or rum? Run, <laughs> run, oh, definitely okay. run. Right. Ryan would say rum, I would say run. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yeah. Just something, just any sort of exercise is a real good release for any sort of built up anger and aggression when it comes to it. It can turn your mood from being really bad into actually coming back and sort of a lot better and looking at things in a better light. I think also, obviously, it's proven that 
you know, physical exercise and stuff releases happy hormones and nobody's saying that, you know, you're going to go for a run, you're going to come back and you're going to be bouncing all over the place really happy. But, uh, yeah, I'm in agreement with that. I do think that, you know, exercise does help. You know, even if you go out and buy yourself a punch bag, you know, something like that where if you're feeling angry, just give it a whack. Nail on the head. I think exercise just with any in any area of life is is so vitally important, especially... I know getting slightly off topic here, but in a year like we've had, I know gyms are closed at the minute, but we can get outside, you can do stuff in your house. It, not just for the sake of how you look physically, and it doesn't have to be hour, hour and a half. It could just be 10, 15 minutes. It's just proven over and over again. It will help improve mood. It won't solve problems, but it will help your brain be prepared to, to deal with something like that. So I, I totally... I thought it uh, helped me more because I was playing football was- step six I don't know if you know non-league football and we was uh, going for the league we were still in the FA bars we ended up two games away from Wembley so I was oh, okay. that, that gave me a bit of a, a weight on from hospital because Hugo was still in yeah that helped exercise helped massively that's interesting yeah. to say that Sam because I think there's a famous example of that maybe something again you know the guys talking to each other and helping each other out even by example was it Billy Sharp yeah yeah, yeah. is that what you're about to say um, I knew what he was going to say. Yeah. I that was relatively watched, um, recently. And he, he played, the, didn't he? He went and played a game, was it within 48 hours, two hours? Exactly. Two hours. I think he's got, there's a big, I think he's on a podcast on it as well. Just to help dealing with it psychologically, yeah. just get yourself out of that that enclosed room in your mind that you're in. And again, you're getting into some exercise, some fresh air. I know it seems, it does seem trivial. I think like fo- football helped me as well, actually. I stopped playing football because I got injured and I was told I couldn't play anymore by my wife, not by the doctors. <laughs> but by my wife. Um, I think that, and, th- and then when I, um, after about two or three years, when I, when I finally grew some confidence to tell her that I, I was going to go back and play football, um, and I started playing with uh, some local um, men and stuff, and, and it was just that hour on a Wednesday evening being able to just mm. go and have a, a run around and... and yeah, terrorist you know, humour. Yeah, exactly. And just, I think as well, like there's a difference between banter with your football team or, you know, with a group of lads and stuff. And and I think just being around that, it takes you out of the situation. And then, you know, you could go for a drink after or something like that. And it, it just brings you back down to earth a little bit more. And, and That's like normal life. So. Yeah, you can forget about it for, you know, that hour and not feel guilty about doing it because... You know, you've got to look after yourself. But just jumping back to that question, obviously, that that, that um, person has asked about, you know, how, dealing with the anger and the anger, what have yeah. you. If it's, if it's not something, if fitness, for instance, isn't something which they're into or, you know, that they don't go out running or they don't play football or sports in any way, shape or form, there's nothing wrong with picking up the phone and, you know, phoning a mate or their closest mate or a family member or something and just saying I feel really angry I need to get out for a walk you know because even a walk like say a 10-15 minute walk or something a bit of fresh air I know it's you know probably the wrong time of year in regard to weather and stuff like that but actually just getting out and being out you know with other people can help take your mind off that anger music um, music helped me as well music, yeah Mm. I drive uh, down to Northampton almost every day, delivering them out by myself and putting your own music on, what you like, that definitely does help. You can change the mood straight away. 
Music's very powerful, especially for things like that. It it's absolutely can be can be a mood changer. I think it's really important as well while we're all here, just to emphasise that the the friend who can call you just to check in. Uh, I think we're hearing a lot of that this year in general, with with the year being what it is. But especially if someone watching this knows someone who has been through a situation, and it doesn't necessarily mean you know your closest buddy or something, but just maybe on your on your timeline, you know someone who's been in a situation. It won't come across as insincere because if if you're doing it, it's because you're doing it because you are being sincere and you you are checking in. It's just it's just a quick just hey just how are you and then see where it goes from there just to reconnect with somebody and I think it's really important that guys in particular do that more uh, especially in the in the situations that, that you guys have been in has it helped you form any new relationships or different types of relationships with your friends that maybe you hadn't seen at that point before we've got a, a couple of friends who um, now who I, I grew up with with, with the, the lad um, but um, he's uh, his now wife um came to the funeral of uh, came to Cali's funeral and I didn't I didn't know her um, beforehand she's become a real big part of, of our lives and she's been really um, uh, a person who just thinks about Cali you know she mentions her and she she always makes the effort to like buy little gifts and things like this just little touches it's nothing major nothing big but just things that make a difference so that was it's been really nice it's been really nice to get to know get to know her that's been a real positive two two questions have come through and i think one that's just leading on from the anger the anger issue that we've been talking about is did anybody else experience a lot of anger in the early days and i think just one thing that i just very quickly want to add about the sort of anger is that anger at, at the beginning is extremely common and and actually it is very very normal um to feel like you know anger is an emotion it's part of the grief process um and it is extremely common with everybody and i think if you know i've said it i think if you ask matt andy Sai, um sam they'd all say the same that at some point during their grief process there was definitely anger somewhere we all deal with anger in different ways but just because you feel angry doesn't mean that you're always going to feel angry. You will get to a point where that anger turns into another form of emotion. Um, and yeah, you know, things can be quite raw. And I don't know um, how long ago this person who's asking these questions, you know, has lost a baby. But I think for, you know, for the vast majority of people that are going to ask those questions about anger is that, yes, it is completely normal and it's a normal emotion that you will go through. Um, and there's nothing wrong with holding your hands up and saying, I need, you know, need a bit of help. I need a bit of support, which is why I said about phoning, you know, a friend, family member, something like that. Somebody that, you know, is close to you who will, um, you know, give you the time that you need. Jumping on to the next one. So um, someone once suggested to me that I call my rainbow baby the same name as my angel baby when I was pregnant and didn't know the gender. So the baby that they've obviously lost um, had a name, and then they, yeah, yeah of, of some people, yeah, it, you know, I it's almost as if they were suggesting that you're replacing the one that's lost. Yeah, exactly. It's just insane. We, we haven't got a lot of time left. I think just over five minutes. So if anyone has got anything that they would like to get an answer to next time, so you can ask the message. Uh, you can ask the question now, and we'll, we'll deal with it the next time. Or like I say, if you'd like to come on 
and uh, have a chat as well and offer some insight and thoughts. Mm. If there's anything that you're screaming at the screen at the minute or just thinking in your head, why haven't they mentioned that? Why haven't they talked about this? Then there's two answers. A, we're men and we don't talk about it. And B, <laughs> we haven't asked us to yet. So come on. What events have you got looking um, next year, by the way, Ryan? Uh, once all this pandemic is over, what would you like to be able to do? And how has the pandemic affected the foundation this year because obviously it's such an important thing and i think it's brilliant what you've done i've really enjoyed working with you over the, the last five years so how has it been moving it online uh, in terms of fundraising and how can people still help with what you're you and amy are doing we were quite fortunate that this year we we started something called 10 10 10 which was designed to um be 10 bereaved um dads who were going to do 10 extreme events or challenging events over 10 days throughout the year and um, because of obviously coronavirus we a number of those events were postponed and have been postponed until 2021 um, but we were fortunate enough that we were able to skydive so both myself matt and Sai um, did a skydive at the end of September. So that was one of our events. Um, Sam, Sam didn't want to do it. Sam was scared. So, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and Andy's tough. He's done it before. So he's, <laughs> he's fine. But, and then in, um, in October, we actually did the Three Peaks, National Three Peaks Challenge. You were scared uh, to do that one, weren't yeah. you? Yeah. I was really scared of doing that one, mate, Billy. <laughs> I, know, I, sent you a, I sent you a message. On WhatsApp, and I, he went, "Yeah, I'm just about to go climbing a mountain." And then I sent another message, and you know, on WhatsApp, when you don't get the the green tick, and I thought, "Eyes oh, fell off." <laughs> I didn't have it. Didn't have any signal. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't say fell off, but I fell over. Yeah, yeah. But um, so you yeah, had a few choice words to say to me on the phone that later when we eventually spoke. I think you enjoyed it, but you never want to effing do it again no no exactly yeah (laughs) the problem is though i've got to do it again because unfortunately i didn't complete it because i got injured um so i i will be going back to do it again and dan i might even drag you along with me where we go we'll we'll do it i'll join you and when we get to the top i don't think we'll be able to do it live because of no signal but we'll record a podcast from the top of the peak there's no way you could have recorded anything in those weather conditions no no chance oh just the the wind i don't know if you if you boys (laughs) would agree i mean like Walking up Scarfell Pike, I had a few choice words to say to the big man upstairs. Because I was <laughs> not in a happy place with that weather. And but actually, do you know what? What kept me going, certainly on on Nevis, because Nevis was tough, was just the fact of knowing I've been through worse than this. Mm-hmm. So actually, yeah, like going yeah, through this, yeah, never again, never. Ne- <laughs> See, I would do it again. I'd have to take some sickness pills or. Near scaffold park. <laughs> oh, actually, that's the worst. Matt's worst bit was being sick on the coach. <laughs> it was horrendous. We, Ryan had tried to get some sickness pills, but they they, they weren't. <laughs> when we got to that place, they weren't. They, we couldn't find any. Couldn't we? We stopped at the services, and then um, Ryan suffers with it anyway. So Ryan managed to bolt down the front. Which I'm amazed about because Ryan's driving is enough to put anyone in that state. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> but it was it was on on the way to scaffold Pike, It was just. Um, I literally just sat looking at the front window and people tried to talk to me. I'm like, nope, stop, stop. 
And then we, we got back on. And because I was so thirsty, I, I downed about half a litre of water and that was the wrong thing to do. And then, uh, yeah, the rest probably was... Didn't, Matt, it probably didn't help that I was sat right behind you eating some sort of stinky pasta. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah there's that, always that one person on the couch the stinky food. I, Is that you, Sam? Well, I, no, I had Matt in front of me, Sam beside me, and the two of them looked like they just wanted to get out. They were, they were gone white oh. as a sheep. Well, if we do if we do it again next year, and I'll come along, then then obviously Simon needs to have his own compartment for his, uh, for his stinky pasta. food, and Matt <laughs> needs to be sat at the front. Do you remember those little grey travel bands you yeah. had as a kid? <laughs> get some of those for Matt with a little white button on it. Well, has anyone got any anything that they'd like to add before we before we wrap up for the night? Anything that you maybe you were waiting for me to ask that I haven't, or anything that you've thought that you would like to say? I think for me, just just that this has to carry on. We need to keep doing these because it was, you know, it, it, I don't know about the rest of the lads, but obviously my way of dealing with stuff has been talking. You know, I, I want to, you know, I need, I've needed to talk about stuff. Um, mm. If I hadn't been able to talk, then I don't know where I'd be now. So yeah, just keep it going. We need to keep it going. Yeah, so you can drop us a message through our Facebook page or through our Instagram page, lilymay070210. That's actually in the comments. So it's been put in the comments section of the um feed drop us a message you can email us as well at info at lilymayfoundation.org and we will um, support you as much as we possibly can in your hour of need and and moving forward from that as well so yeah, as much as you possibly want from us we'll give you as much as we possibly can again i will repeat if you have got something that you would like to ask any of the guys here then go ahead and do so. And as soon as we have a date for our next one, we will get it up there. And we would love you to, to take part as well. Ryan, thank you very much for having me on. Simon, Matt, Andy, Sam, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you everyone for watching. Mm-hmm.